0: I, so, I like this idea, and I need to yes. jot it down, but I also want to make sure we do a little bit of follow-up from our last episode. And we may stumble upon some today because we're doing
1: <laughs> Look, we're some random
0: roll. stuff. Yeah. But we're just on a roll. And, and what
1: you're doing with the raw material is masterful. Full stop. And I am very grateful. Full stop.
0: Well, thank you. And thank you for letting me try to figure out how to share you with the world.
1: Thank you for thinking I'm worth sharing. (laughs) I had no such feelings. I, I even write, and I just think yeah. there are messages in the bottle, and I'm just throwing them in the ocean, and I hope I'm not polluting. Yeah. That's honestly the most I think I'm worth. I hope this isn't pollution. I hope everyone's not throwing bottles, and then we have glasses everywhere, and
0: I can't walk the beach because I keep throwing so many f-ing bottles. You know, when I get to my last day, <laughs> I may look back and say, you know, how much did I really accomplish here? You know, did the bad stuff outweigh the good or vice versa? But I will know in my heart that at least I tried something, at least. Mm -hmm. And who knows if it's the right message or the wrong message, but-
1: Let the message stand for itself.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: That's what the truth does. When you speak it, it doesn't have to be defended. You just have to speak it, and then it defends itself. All right, you want to silence your phone? Oh gosh, yes, and thank you for noticing. I did <laughs> I was listening so to you. I heard that yeah, noise, but it that, didn't hit. That's right. why.
0: See, that's yeah. what proves that you're such a good listener. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Thinking Not podcast. I'm Cap. And I'm here with Charles. I hope you're feeling in the flow today, Charlie, because we're going rapid fire with 10 random questions, an ongoing feature Mm -hmm. where I throw out 10 cards on the table and you pick a random topic to discuss. So I'd ask you what's on your mind today, but it doesn't really matter because the cards hold your fate. Your future just became your present in 10 brightly colored cards. Are you ready to get started? As always, What do I know? (laughs) (laughs) Charles is ready. I'm ready. And we hope you are engaged and ready for our discussion today. Charlie, let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real-life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. So let's remind listeners how we play this game. I have 10 cards here, and if they weren't real, could I do this? All right. Uh, on each card is written a prompt from one of five categories. The categories are current events, reaction to a reading, personal what would Charlie do? And by the way, um, the ten thousand bracelets you asked me to order—they're on back order. Uh, China's got some some uh, shipping issues going on, but I—they will get here. So, uh, and then uh, final—I am, I am on the floor right now laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and then final category is quizzical query, and I spread them on the table. Charlie picks one. I read it. And sit back and enjoy my coffee while he talks for a while. Oh, that's, that's the reason why this is really one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, I either play a bell sound or a buzzer to indicate if he got the answer right. And then award him a score from a negative 11 to positive 9 at the end. We tally the score because really isn't everything a competition? And see if he's beaten his highest score. And, of course, I just made all of that up to see Charlie break out into a cold sweat. (laughs) All right. Not the first part. We do have the cards scattered on the table. And, Charlie, whenever you're ready... Go ahead and pick one at random. Uh, I appreciate how much we want to just get into this, but
1: there's part of this process that uh, the reader should, uh, the reader, the listener, I would like for you to just be clued in. This is a throwback almost to the old radio transmissions uh, broadcasts that predated uh, television. We're doing everything even with sound effects. He flipped the cards into the microphone. We're going to have other sound effects to come apparently. Um I thought we were just talking but we're putting on a production. That's right. That's right. Which it's is turned into a show. Which is wonderful. Which is like it didn't start out this way but no, we had a conversation now. and a show broke out. That's right. That's right. And, and 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 this is like okay,
0: let's have some fun. I'll choose this card. Okay. The orange card in the middle. All right. This is a reaction to a reading. And this is something that I've read in the last week and noted a passage. I'm almost sorry you picked this because I have a feeling this is going to turn into a whole episode. So I would ask you to keep it. Well, Let's keep it brief, but let's just do it this way and give them a taste of what may be to come in a in a future episode. All right. All right. So here's the here's the passage that I read. Imposter syndrome sends similarly flawed evidence. And if you don't know yourself and appreciate the breadth of your skill and experience, that evidence, absurd though it may be, will be damning. It will leave you trembling when instead it should roll off your back. I can't possibly rise to this occasion, you'll think, even though your own history clearly indicates otherwise. If you can access that history and identify your successes and your proven proficiencies it becomes easier to refute that voice of doubt. And this is from a book called Promises of Giants by John Amici, which anybody out there that is in the least bit interested in leadership and corporate culture, I strongly recommend it to you. So Charlie, your your thoughts on that? Well, honestly, what corporate
1: uh, organizations are attempting now it seems Uh, i mean i do a lot of reading too not quite as in depth on the subjects as you do so i'm not trading expertise here in any fashion what i'm expressing is that as i keep my finger on the pulse of what seems to be happening in corporate um, it's becoming the words nimble flexible fail fast all these things that you know um are the buzzed uh, terms of the present thinking or, or organizational. I mean, we're all trying to adapt. That is the nature of uh, something that's vibrant, something that has juice. Um, it also will somehow mirror what we're doing internally as a person. We... If I awaken to something about myself personally, I will try to implement that in my life. And if I am in corporate life, as well as my personal life, so to speak, like there's a difference.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: However, I behave differently in one world than the other. We do. And sometimes the uh, skill sets that a caring corporate individual can bring to that environment can... Spur somebody to to look at themselves, their own personal life. I can learn something from a business seminar that I can feel might have some personal application. It's difficult because nobody's holding me accountable at home, in my personal life, wherever that is, again. But in corporate world, there's certain levels of behavior that we have discovered need to be Accountable for. I don't want to say enforced, but if they go on,
0: the environment yeah. becomes and, and it completely. Yeah, well, yes, and it, completely different in different environments, right? So right. some some organizations have very little accountability throughout the organization. Others right. tend to go overboard on accountability, right. particularly kind of the, the high-flying, mm-hmm. as I kind of think of them or envision them. Win at all
1: costs? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Well, th- uh, this was just a taste. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in that because my spirituality, or th- the things I can't really explain, I still feel in a corporate environment. I can feel them in my car. I can feel them in my backyard. All these things that I really grapple with that I can't explain show up at the weirdest times in the weirdest environments. When you are caringly introducing things in a corporate environment, you are actually asking people to grow. At least here, while you're here, you have to adjust some of these old ideas of yours to fit into more collective awareness for this organization's functioning. That's all it is. Just elevating everyone's generally agreed to level of functioning. And when you can create it, Sufficiently that it's mostly positive, as you suspected, assume positive intent. What begins to happen then is unpredictably beautiful and positive. That's my answer so far. Hmm.
0: We stumbled into a little conversation the other day um, as we frequently stumble onto topics, but we stumbled into a conversation uh, about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to identify what we were talking Mm -hmm. about because it's personal, but, you know, we kind of stumbled into this notion of imposter syndrome and... Uh, We started talking a little bit about the pressure that's put on people uh, and that they put on themselves, a pressure that they then can't live up to. Mm -hmm. And you know what this quote, and part of the reason why this quote stuck out to me is because it was something that we had discussed when I read it. and you know, it really is, and it ties in so well with a topic we talked about around self-forgiveness too, is how are you measuring yourself? Are you measuring yourself when you do something, when you make that mistake that's inevitable, are you measuring yourself against a level of perfection or are you measuring yourself based on what true history is, because you haven't been a failure your whole life, you succeeded at things. And so is there value in being able to uh, look back and say, yes, that was just a mistake and I know it because here are the five times that I did something right this week or, or whatever.
1: I truly picked the wrong card for a short, yes, segment.
0: you're right, yeah, and we can leave we can leave it. We can leave it.
1: No, but it's a huge topic, it and, is. and it's so important. So I don't want to like leave it lingering. This is not a teaser uh, of an episode. Uh, so if we don't get to what anything else, let's just stay here. We a lot of us feel that in the imposter, it doesn't have to be in every area of my life. Some areas I do feel like I have a core competency in. Well, I don't care if it's chopping wood or fixing a plumbing leak or driving a car or maintaining a household or whatever it is. There are certain basic core competencies, but that's how I look at them. I look at them as rather crude, primitive. They've got to get done, but there's like, ah, oh, it's boring. You know, it really doesn't challenge me very much. I can almost do it. With my eyes closed and that's what i try to do i try to do the boring routine aspects of my everyday life which i think is precious to every second when i'm thinking about it but when i'm not and i'm just bored like i've got to wash the dishes i check out and i don't really uh i mean the dishes might. Be clean, But I didn't enjoy the experience of the water, the suds, the view out the window, the dog who, you know, wants to treat next to my leg. And I want to like so I'm surrounded by things that I'm enjoying, complaining that I have to wash the dishes. And there's a certain amount of um, intellectual arrogance that I bring to tasks that I think are beneath me.
0: Oh, but, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. Like they're just, You're right. They're too, like, uh, I wish I... I love, c- I love that phraseology, though. Mm-hmm. Intellectual that's arrogance. Right. Interesting. No. Okay.
1: It's I, I'm a bit of a snob towards some of the things that life asks of me to do. Yes. And as such, I'm uh, a little insulted and a little mm, pouty. Gotta cut the grass again. Now, again, I forget the fact that I have grass I can cut because I'm more worried about how many dandelions are in my neighbor's yard. And I wouldn't have noticed that if I didn't have to get out here and cut the grass because the neighbor is what's really the problem. Because I love cutting my grass, but he should do a better job with his. I'm just... That's why my mind goes somewhere else, because I'm bored with what I'm doing. That's what I tell myself. So I start looking around everywhere else. uh, Instead of enjoying what I'm doing, which is I'm outside mowing the lawn. And obviously, it's not in the rain, so it's probably a nice day. So there's so many factors that are involved in mowing the lawn that I can appreciate. And all I am doing is thinking, like, I hope this is over soon so I can get in, sit on the couch and watch some football. If you were to put that on scale, like which is actually more enjoyable as a human being, I think mowing the lawn wins every time. If you just look at it as an activity versus sitting on the couch, eating junky food and watching... What? What, what am I watching? Commercials well, you, basically you, what I'm watching. I think I'm watching a sporting event, but I'm actually... Actually, being mesmerized by all the fancy commercials that are... To stop thinking. Yeah. yeah. Designed to keep me entertained in between the game that was supposed to be entertaining, which is probably boring too. So I'm thinking about a million other things besides watching the game because I don't have to pay attention to every play, do I? Just the big plays. And so my mind is constantly off wandering somewhere and I'm not appreciating anything in particular. Just thinking I'm a I'm like channel surfing in my brain. Look at this. Is that interesting? Nope. Is that interesting? Nope. Is that interesting? Nope. Is that? In- and I'm trying to find something interesting. And the whole thing that you're trying to find something interesting, I find fascinating. Look at you trying to find something interesting with all these interesting things around. So I start asking you questions. Well, what? Do you want to overlook about this? Because I found this fascinating about this. And I bring your attention to something that you are I'm pretty sure as a human being are going to find interesting too. I just have to bring your attention to it. So I'm not a genius. I'm just paying a little bit more attention and slowing down a little bit more than most people tend to slow down or want to slow down. You slow down, you waste time. You waste time, you waste money. You waste money, you'll fall behind. You fall behind, there goes the imposter. I'm not as good as I pretend to be. I'm not as fast, I'm not as put together, I'm not as smart, I'm not as, I'm not, I'm just, but I have to try to pretend to be because that's what looks like everybody else is trying to pretend to be, so we live in this Hollywood sham set. You know, we've just got the fronts of all the buildings, of the facades of what we should look like. And behind it, it's just like, I have no idea. I look good, but I don't feel good. And I don't know why the two aren't connected. Because I started with looking good first rather than feeling good. Because I'm afraid of my feelings. Because every time I go to my feelings, they hurt. So I seek To avoid pain, so I avoid my feelings. I seek pleasure, so I look for distractions, entertainment. Yes, I'll use the word, sex is very entertaining. And then I feel entertained and unsatisfied. I feel superficially skipping through life at a pace faster than any human generation has ever gone before. And the faster we go, the emptier we
0: feel. Yowzer. Okay, you uh, you took that in a different direction than I saw coming, but I appreciate that. Just to bring it back to the um, kind of the corporate culture aspect of of this. In corporate culture, they do not talk about they don't really arm you with how to either have conversations, how to handle feelings, and I promised this on an episode before. I can't remember which episode, but at, at some point, I'm going to share a story. Maybe we'll do a corporate culture episode, and I'll share a story. I would of, love to hear uh, all about it uh, of an episode I had with with corporate culture and how I resisted it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it ended up being hugely rewarding and eye opening for me. So, um. Charlie, why don't you you go ahead and pick another card?
1: All right. And uh, for the listening audience, uh, if this has been unsatisfying to you, we're not exactly finished with it either. So bear with us as we bounce to one more card. I'm choosing Fuchsia.
0: Excellent. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This is Quizzical Query. Oh. And this is written by me to you, Charlie. All right. So one of the many things that I love about you is that you're genuinely thankful for almost every moment. Uh, I have known you to occasionally be angry every once in a while about politics or tennis or stupid people. But uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen you regretful unless you unintentionally hurt someone. Tell me how gratitude plays a role in your life and how you intentionally practice it. And what do we do with those moments that we aren't grateful for? Jeez, Cap,
1: um, thank you for that question. So I start talking about gratitude, feeling very grateful. So it's not uh, a feeling that I sit back with my morning coffee going, Abstractly, oh, I'm really grateful for uh, my friendship with Cap. No, my gratitude starts with, I'm glad I can sit and lift a cup of coffee to my lips. I'm glad I don't have to have someone do that for me yet. It may happen because I age. That's not a surprise. That's not going to come as a shock. You know, I started in diapers. I'm going to end that way. So they say, unless something else happens and that's okay as well. But my point is that gratitude is in this moment. I can't be grateful something uh, that might happen. That's like, that would be so nice if, but that's kind of like wishful thinking gratitude. It's anticipation gratitude. And that kind of anticipation is almost a premeditated disappointment. Because the more I start to think about how exciting it's going to be, the bigger I make it be. Like, it's got to be like like this big at least because I'm really imagining something really good. And so by the time the actual thing happens, the event, the phone call, the whatever happens, happens, the meeting, and it's like normal. It doesn't have all the mm, anticipation of goodness that I thought. It was just like a regular kind of... They didn't really show up as enthusiastic as I did, let's say. I'm, I'm ready to be disappointed. I just am. Like, they should have matched my level of enthusiasm in getting ready for this just the way I did. And I really have to look at that and say, that's pretty unfair. I have no idea what kind of day they're having. They could have a headache. They could be... Going through a divorce. I don't know. I've went through several and nobody asked me, is this divorce related? <laughs> Are you in a bad mood because you're going through personal trauma? No, they just say, hey, don't be such a a-hole. I'm like, if you knew what I was with, this is the best I got. Yep. Right there. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the idea that I can have compassion for somebody that I don't understand why they had a bad reaction to me, but I know I didn't cause it. And I'm grateful to be able to recognize that in that moment. So I don't have to respond and take that on personally. I can respond and take that on compassionately. And I'm grateful for that. So every time I don't do what I used to do, which was not as loving as I would like to be, and I step into it a little, try a little, again, even try again. With the same person on the same issue, and try to just make a little bit more headway or progress or opening or softening or something that looks more like love than fighting, I feel like I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to keep trying. I'm so grateful. If I'm digging out from under, let's say a pile of rubble that fell on me, I don't know if I'm a hundred feet from the surface or one foot from the surface. I'm still in entire darkness. And I'm trying to tell everyone I meet, we are so close to a new breakthrough. Please don't stop digging up. Don't start digging. Stop digging upward because we're almost going to break through. I have. And it's really nice up here. And please don't fault me for saying that, that I've broke through because then like, where's the next one? I may be in a different kind of underground. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. But it's not
0: the journey's not necessarily over you're just right
1: (laughs) right but i'm in a phase where i'm not surrounded by i'm surrounded by air water light and not the other stuff that i came from if you want to use the seed analogy i've been thinking about this a lot this spring like i had a, a shell around me a protective coating and it it the meat of me the essence of me the life of me is inside there trying to be protected and every time it pokes it wants to poke out something goes don't go out there it's really really dangerous something could eat you something could happen something but in here we're safe but if i stay inside that shell, i rot i don't i don't grow. I don't come alive. I don't even know what I would have been. I just lay there locked as a potential. I could have been a daisy or I could have been a gigantic sequoia tree. I'll never know. I could have been. But if I stay in the seed and the stay in the shell, I am protected. Nothing's going to necessarily Well, birds might eat me, but that's a whole other analogy. Some things do eat seeds is what my point was. But I feel like I'm safest as a seed, but I'm most uh, not alive as a human being.
0: Yeah, not to make it personal, but... (sighs) Uh, you've just both given me an excuse, but also a deep, deep concern uh, about pulling up those maple seedlings <laughs> that are growing all over our front yard from where the squirrels have buried the the nuts. So
1: it is nothing against the seedlings. <laughs> That's what you go and you tell them, like, "I'm the, your beautiful life form, but you're not. You don't belong here. You didn't know that." I'm not angry with you. (laughs) I'm not going to replant you. There's plenty of you around. (laughs) Just this dozen or two dozen, just not here. (laughs) All right, Charlie, pick another card. Oh, my goodness. How are we doing? Because we have a time constraint.
0: Yes. We're good. My bad. Okay. This is personal. We all have turning points, moments in our lives where we recognize the need for change. What was one of the turning points in your life that got you here? Cap,
1: I think my whole life has been turning. In some ways, it felt like a spin. I was doing so much turning. So I have used the... uh, Visual of a spiral before. Um, the way that the core issue of my humanity uh, and, and my perspectives towards it and my awareness of it can be spiraling in one of any number of directions, but I try to say I can spin up towards love and openness and, and expansion, or I can dig down. And when I go down there, it's not necessarily bad, but it's not nearly as much um, fun or as enjoyable. It's it's deep, it's rich, it's slow. It can be a bit. Mm, it's like it's got history down there. There's some real connection to evolutionary threads that I have no concept of. I can't explain, but it's in my DNA. I can sometimes feel like origins of impulses that you go, wow, this goes way deep. This goes way back. I connect to all of this impulse has been the same throughout time. You know, I am connected to this impulse. Like every human being is connected to this impulse. I'm uniquely experiencing this in this moment. Like I'm connected to music, the way that music can move people. But I hear it individually And yet I can be in a concert hall with 100,000 people jamming, like in unison. But we're not. We're individually swaying, but we're collectively experiencing something, which is what we go to do, to do it both, to have an individual experience together with other people. Well, if planet Earth could be considered an arena of sorts. Well, we're here to play. We're not here to fight. Well, you could you could make it a gladiator pit. Apparently, which some of us have, or we could make it. Doesn't have to be a three ring circus either. I and mean, Some of us want to do that, but there are other of us who would like to say those aren't our only options. Uh, if you want to go do that, if that's okay, but don't demand that you can come and set up your big tent and my. Kind of way of putting things together. Yours is incompatible with mine. I'm not telling you that it's wrong. It's n- it's not right for me. I don't want to live like that. But if you're happy living that way, I want you to be happy. But every time you come over to my, it's because you're telling me I hate this. I yeah, don't You I
0: don't, don't look happy.
1: You I am not happy. And I want to come over and not make Not know why you're happy. I want to come over and make sure you're not happy, too. Right. Right. Because that's what I can't be happy. Right. That's what unhappy people know what to give. They give what they got. Yeah. I've got misery. You want some? And I just go, oh, no, but I've got happiness. You want some? They go, if I wanted happiness, I'd know how to find it. And I go, well, then show me. Show me how to be happy. (sighs) Don't be a wise guy, I'm told. (laughs) Don't be a smart ass, I'm told. Who do you think you are? I'm told. And I'm like, well, I'm not unhappy. I know that much. And I know how I found my happiness. I know that much because I detailed it in great. <laughs> so I'm aware of all the turns that I've made. Turning points, turning points, turning. It's a decision. I come to a fork in a road and honestly, I don't go straight. I have to make a choice. And I can't do both at the same time. I can do one and then the other alternately sometimes. And that's a.
0: And yet you couldn't pick a red or a blue backpack in my right. magic trick.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I know. So there's a problem. <laughs> the problem is I, uh, I don't know which backpack is best for me. <laughs> and you're making me pick. And life does that. Yep. Life makes me pick. Yep. And I really don't know which one's better for me. And I've already put one on. And that's what I get confused about. And that's why I feel like an imposter. I picked a bag and I don't know why I picked a bag, but I'm supposed to know that it's, uh, you told me I was going to need it at some point. And I'd like have to go, okay, I'm going to go along with this little magic trick of yours. (laughs) But I wouldn't pick up a backpack. If if it were on my own, I'd go, I have no idea what that is. It doesn't belong to me. I come here preloaded with software. Well, I Actually, I had preloaded hardware, and then I get a lot of software do- downloaded onto me. And I have discovered that that software is faulty. It has a lot come, of bugs. It has come from a former level of our understanding of ourselves that no longer applies. We don't have a vision of what it means to be human that fits our human experience anymore. And that is very disoriented. Disorienting. I know who I am. I know as a human being what this is to be human. I'm happy to share that with anybody who wants to. And if it connects with your human experience, we have things to talk about. If I'm speaking Greek to you, you'll think there's another crazy man speaking a language I don't understand. I don't take that personally. Some things you say to me sound like Greek to me, too. But I'll listen to the melody of your voice sometimes and be okay with that. And I don't have to understand what you're trying to say. I can see the kindness in your eyes and say, he's not trying to, or she's not, or they're not trying to hurt me. They're trying to tell me something about themselves. So let me just listen to the sound of their voice, or let me watch them dance, or let me watch them play an instrument, or let me watch them paint a picture, whatever it is, or build a a boat. What are you doing? And where's the love in there? How are you loving this action? What is this telling me about you? So I don't even need to know the words. I can just watch what you're doing, how you're living. How do you talk to your dog? How do you talk to your wife? How do you talk to yourself in the mirror? This tells me about your human experience. And most of us are not having the kind of fulfilling, satisfying human experience that we sense is just so close. It's like kissing something between prison plexiglass. I'm just so close to getting to what's real.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I think that there is something that is holding people back. They do sense that there's something on the other side there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can see it. I can't touch it yet, but I can see it. But there is every single time they start to reach out and start to touch it, something hurts them. Something snaps at them and they say, "Oh well, well, that's not for me. That's that I can't touch that yet because I'm not ready or I'm not good enough or whatever. And So yeah, I think that we have to find a way uh, to help people understand. That the code that they they have, and and while you were saying that, I had this image flash in mind because, you know, I was in computers from the moment there was a computer. And uh, in the very early days, going from coder to developing new product, new software products, Mm. you know, there came this moment in time where there was a... Huge change, and the huge change was the graphical user interface. So back in you know when I first started, you know you had these character-based screens, and you oh, made yeah. you made decisions based on you know a menu was one, two, three, four, five, and you picked three, and and then suddenly this visionary had Steve Jobs uh, had this idea of a graphical user interface where you could pick an object instead of a number right you could pick a file folder and and that's kind of that's kind of how i see you i kind of see you as the graphical user interface and oh. a lot of us are all still <laughs> stuck in dos and and pushing pushing numbers instead of seeing the pretty pictures that are around well,
1: i could think of worse analogies for me <laughs> so thank you very much <laughs>
0: All right, Charlie, one more card. We have time for one more card. All right. We got to go green. I haven't done a green. Okay. Oh, here we go. What would Charlie do? Oh, dude. Okay. Let's say you're at a coffee shop and you overhear someone at a table nearby make racist comments. Do you say something or just let it go? And if you let it go, do you feel badly about it later?
1: Well, I do have a, a choice. I did overhear it. I can't pretend that I didn't. If I do pretend that I didn't, then I'm fooling myself. I'm lying to myself. I heard what I heard. So I am through no fault of my own. I am now in an ethical moment, a moral moment, showed up very unexpectedly, and I can not want to be in judgment. And I can want to be considerate. So what I do, because I have lived through this many, many times, is look at the face of the person who was being talked to. I look to see how they, because it's not my conversation. It's an overheard conversation. So i look to their eyes, their self, and see if the two are in some sort of agreement with what was just said, in which case I'm not in the uh, educational business. They're They're in their reality, sharing a moment of connection, albeit on things that I go, oh, they don't know yet, okay. Okay, but I ask myself, is this a learnable moment or is this a confrontational moment? So if I wanna be helpful, I gotta ask myself, how helpful can I be if I attempt to interject in two people who are obviously agreeing to look at the world the same way? I can only be seen as an aggressor and There's nothing I can do that would be loving or helpful. I don't ignore it. I lift them up. I lift them up and say, they don't know any better yet. There were lots of things in my life I didn't know any better yet either. And talked as perhaps as unaware about other subjects as they are talking about this subject. I'll put it that way. Yep. So, If the other person looks uncomfortable, I try to get their eye contact and they will tell me with their eyes if they'd like for me to help them. If they're in an uncomfortable, moral, ethical situation too, because that's who I'm looking to help. The one who's already saying the racist, bigoted, or (laughs) thing, less an open-minded thing, less an equal thing, less democratic thing. How about, let's say it that way. I'm not treating all people as if they were created equal. That's an American thing. It's a democratic principle, not a religious one. It's a human one. So we don't, how do we argue about that? I can't. So he's, whoever is talking next to me is equally lovable even though they're in error. In my opinion, in my opinion, history bears me out. I mean, we are moving towards treating everyone equally. That's my feeling. But not everybody's there yet. All right. So the person who might be being injured is the person who's being spoken to who doesn't agree with the person who's coming with a bad attitude. So I look at that person first. If they're not giving me any indication that they're uncomfortable or can't handle this in some form or fashion, I'd leave it alone. I'm not being asked to help. Sure. So that's the first prerequisite before I ever, ever volunteer to help. Is it being asked for? Is it being invited in in some form or fashion? It doesn't have to be like explicit with a hand Contract. Yeah. yeah. You know, like these are the terms of our engagement. You're allowed to ask me this type of question, but not that type of question. No. I can see that someone's really uncomfortable or struggling. And and I know. And it could be somebody spanking a child. I mean, the issues show up. Oh, yeah. and 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 they're really deep issues that I don't necessarily know how to navigate lovingly without coming across as a Karen uh, whatever that is. Again, I know what it is. You know what it is, but still it's, it's a thing again. So sorry, Karen's out there. I'm sorry, <laughs> It's just a name. It's just a word. It's just an idea, but it's rough. It's rough. When you see that on full display, uh, and brazen about it. That's the nature of how affronted they are by the world not cooperating with their attitude. They believe that they're the ones who see it clearly, and we're the ones who are just uh, busybodies interfering with their right to their opinion. Uh, well, you know, rights are rights. You have the full right. I have the full right. Oh. Now, how can two rights make a wrong? But when we fight about who's right or who's right should trump who's right, then it becomes all wrong. Yep.
0: Good. Well, that's a uh, good place to leave it for today. So thank you, Charlie, for subjecting yourself to 10 random cards.
1: <laughs> Did I? Can I tell them that you're waterboarding me at the same time? <laughs> I'm getting dripped, dripped, dripped over here. And I'm going, <gasps> <"Yeah." laughs>
0: no, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please rate, follow, or subscribe and review. We are now on Spotify. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you already know that. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com and more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that today brings 10 random acts of kindness your way. They're probably there if you look for them. Be good to each other.